Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you watch the news, it's always funny how they don't want to say Donald Trump is a liar. They always find different words to use to describe him not telling the truth. I'm Mehdi Hassan. Welcome to Deconstructed. Fake, fraudulent, dishonest, disgusting, corrupt, sleazy, scum, slime, liars, losers, phonies, bad people, sick people, enemies of the people. The President of the United States attacks the members of the press on a near daily basis, publicly, viciously, relentlessly. So when a comedian turns up at the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner and ridicules the brazen dishonesty of the president and of his equally deceitful press secretary, you might think journalists at that dinner would stick up for her, get behind her, defend her. But no, they threw Michelle Wolf under the bus and stuck up for the people in the White House who abused them every day instead. Now, this is a show which is all about getting behind the headlines, beyond the spin and the bullshit. And this past week, the US media was filled with some seriously sanctimonious spin and BS. And to help me deconstruct some of it, my guest today is comedian and Hollywood director and producer Judd Apatow of Knocked Up and the Big Sick fame, who wrote some of President Obama's best anti-Trump jokes at the White House Correspondents' Dinner in 2011. He, like me, isn't happy about how certain members of the media behaved at last week's White House Correspondents' Dinner. You know what was the most important thing she said? The most important thing she said is we're all making money off of this madness. And that is the weird part about it is Donald Trump is correct when he says your ratings go up because of me. So this week, why is the US media so spineless? Why can't it stand up to the White House? Why can't it stand up for the truth? Derek Lewis says, Howard had certainly told me that the governor of Parkhurst should be suspended and had threatened to overrule me. Are you saying Mr Lewis is lying? I have given a full account of this and the position is well, what I... What you're hearing here is the legendary British journalist Jeremy Paxman interviewing the senior Conservative politician Michael Howard back in 1997. Now the backstory here is not what's important. Just listen to how persistent he is. Did you I did not to overrule him? I did not overrule Derek Did Lewis. you threaten to overrule him? I took advice on what I could or could not did do you threaten and to I overrule acted him, Mr. scrupulously Howard? in accordance with that advice. I did not overrule Derek did you Lewis. Threaten to overrule Mr. Marriott him? was not suspended. Did you threaten to overrule him? Now, I'm no fan of the British media, which is awful in so many ways. But can you imagine someone like Jeremy Paxman lasting even five minutes on US cable news? Of course not. The US media treat politicians in this country with kid gloves. They fawn over them, befriend them, apologise for them. As a journalist from the UK now living and working here in Washington, DC, the US press corps, especially the White House press corps, never ceases to amaze me. It's so brazenly servile, so shamefully obsequious, so openly deferential to people in power. For example, members of the White House press corps stand up when the president comes into the East Room of the building to address them, which I've always found to be truly bizarre. Why would you stand up for a politician? Interviewers on US cable news 
are just as bad. They act chummy, pally, friendly with the politicians who they're supposed to be grilling on air. Madam Secretary, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck out there on the campaign trail. We'll look forward to covering you. They are softball questions with very few follow-ups. I'm going to give you a choice. Hillary versus Biden or Broncos versus Seahawks. <laughs> and act so grateful to have been given an opportunity to do the interview in the first place. Such behavior was bad enough under Clinton, Bush and Obama. But it's inexcusable and frankly unbelievable under Donald Trump, a president who, thanks to James Comey's memos, we now know jokes in private with his FBI director about having reporters locked up and raped behind bars as a way of getting them to give up their confidential sources. We have to be very careful with the press. If we don't get border security, we'll have no choice. We'll close down the country. Kanye West gets it. He got it. The only collusion is the Democrats colluded with the Russians. Hispanic unemployment. Any Hispanics in the room? Hispanic? Nah, not so many. That's okay. That was the president of the United States saying batshit crazy things again, telling barefaced lies again at a rally in Michigan last weekend, where his supporters not only chanted lock her up in reference to his defeated political opponent, but also booed at the mere mention of Hispanics. In a normal world, that rally would be dominating the headlines even today. But in the deeply depressing and abnormal world that we all inhabit these days, we've instead been focused on a comedian, Michelle Wolf, who was asked to address the White House Correspondents' Dinner that same night that Trump was doing his rant in Michigan. And look, she did her job brilliantly. She was both funny and scathing about the people in power. Trump is racist, though. He loves white nationalists, which is a weird term for a Nazi. Calling a Nazi a white nationalist is like calling a pedophile a kid friend. And of course we have Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like she burns facts and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. Like maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. And the response to that from the spineless journalists in the crowd? The remarks went way over the line. I think everyone agrees to that. The comedian accused of crossing the line. Did the comedy monologue cross a line? Cross the line. Cross the, cross the line. line and overall... Andrea Mitchell of NBC News even suggested that the White House press secretary was owed an apology by the White House Correspondents Association. I mean, seriously, what is wrong with these people? By holding a White House Correspondents Dinner, supposedly centred around protecting the First Amendment and the free press against attacks, but then rushing to the defence of a White House press secretary, who, along with her boss, the president, is leading those attacks on the First Amendment and the free press. As you know, I have a running war with the media. They are among the most dishonest human beings on earth. <laughs> Too many American political journalists seem to think that if they play nice with this administration, if they remain respectful, if they don't call out the lies, they don't call out the racism, if they stay neutral and detached and impartial and sober, if they keep doing the whole both sides are as bad as each other BS of yesteryear, then conservatives will play nice with them. Conservatives will stop attacking them. The problem is that this assumes that conservative criticism of the media is in good faith when it so clearly isn't. The idea that conservatives are offended by a comedian's jokes when they elected the most offensive presidential candidate in American history is just absurd. Michelle Wolfe offered vulgar jokes about the president and then attacked press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders in personal terms. Since when has it been OK to make cheap jokes about a woman's appearance? 
the conservative movement, the Republican Party, they don't care about neutrality or detachment or impartiality. They care about winning and winning at all costs. And if that means destroying the credibility of the media, then so be it. If that means crying bias to put the quote-unquote liberal media on the perpetual defensive, then all the better. You think any of those liberal journalists who cynically, shamefully, deliberately threw Michelle Wolf under the bus are suddenly now respected out in Trump country, out in the conservative heartlands? Don't be silly. Of course they're not. Remember, Steve Bannon in an interview earlier this year summed up the Trumpian approach to the media pretty bluntly when he said, quote, the Democrats don't matter. The real opposition is the media. And the way to deal with them is to flood the zone with shit. To flood the zone with shit. The question is, when will members of the press, when will White House correspondents, the great and the good of cable news and the print press, when will they wake up, look around, smell that shit and start pushing back, start calling a spade a spade, start speaking truth to power as Michelle Wolf did so eloquently, so boldly, so defiantly last weekend. If a tree falls in the woods, how do we get Kellyanne under that tree? I'm not suggesting she gets hurt, just stuck. My guest today is not just an award-winning stand-up comedian himself. He's not just the director and producer of some of Hollywood's biggest comedies, from The 40-Year-Old Virgin to Knocked Up to more recently The Big Sick, but he also co-wrote some of President Obama's best anti-Trump jokes at the 2011 White House Correspondents' Dinner, as the then-celebrity apprentice host just sat there in the audience and took it. He kind of had to. Fast forward seven years and Judd Apatow has gone from writing jokes for the president, the previous president, that is, to going after the current president whenever he gets the chance. Oh, my God. But then if there is a P-tape, who becomes the president? Mike Pence. So we need another P-tape. But then who becomes the president? Paul Ryan. So we need another P-tape. We basically need a tape of a Russian hooker urinating like a fire hose on like 40 Republicans till we finally get Bernie Sanders. So who better to talk to this week about Donald Trump, about the media's awful coverage of Donald Trump, and about the ongoing and bizarre political fallout from Michelle Wolf's stand-up routine at the White House Correspondents' Dinner than Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. Happy to be here. Judd, you're not just a big Hollywood director. You're also a comedian yourself. Your new stand-up routine, The Return, is back on Netflix. So let me ask you this. What did you make of comedian Michelle Wolf's routine at the White House Correspondents' Dinner last weekend? I thought that she did a, a brilliant job. I, I sat down and, and read it afterwards also. It's a masterclass in great, insightful, tough joke writing you know people are, are somewhat disingenuous uh about uh, the purpose of the evening the way the evening's supposed to work is the president gets his and hopefully in the future her turn to make their points and when you have a president who's a coward who won't show up 
Of course, the whole night is uh, imbalanced. And were you as annoyed, as irritated, as disgusted as I was to see the response from so many members in that audience, members of the White House press corps, the great and the good of the mainstream media, the liberal media, who fell over one another to attack Michelle Wolf afterwards and even demand an apology on behalf of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary? Well, it's a very thin-skinned room. I, I went there one year... And what I was surprised about was that the liberals in the room seemed to have more trouble with the jokes than the Republicans. Uh, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough room to do stand-up in because every joke is offending half the room, yeah. and comedians and uh, the president is usually trying to to do a balanced speech. But when you have a very corrupt president. Uh, you know, who pays $25 million to people he has defrauded at Trump University. And when you have a president who lies constantly, the monologue has to get tougher. It has to call out these uh, brutal truths. So you came out strongly in defense of Michelle Wolf. You said on Twitter this week, she's definitely not funny if you're fine with a president who grabs pussy and lies daily, is a racist and sells us out to the Russians. Then it was clearly unfunny from that perspective. If you're fed up with the madness and hatred and corruption of Trump, then it was funny. Well, I think that is true. Uh, you know, People uh, tend to not laugh when someone points out something uh, that is a... Uh, critical of them. And I think that's true for Democrats. It's also true for journalists in the room. There are some people who can handle it and they get the spirit of the night. It is a roast. She's hired to roast everybody. If if it really bothers you, maybe you should think about the point of the joke. Why doesn't everyone walk out of that room and go, you know what was the most important thing she said? The most important thing she said is we're all making money off of this madness. No one in this room wants to admit is that Trump has helped all of you. And that is the weird part about it is Donald Trump is correct when he says your ratings go up because of me. He couldn't sell steaks or vodka or water or college or ties or Eric. <laughs> but he has helped you. He's helped you sell your papers and your books and your TV. You helped create this monster, and now you're profiting off of him. Also, how come people didn't leave that room and go, what is happening in Flint, Michigan? Flint still doesn't have clean water. She's saying it's not <laughs> fixed yet. I'm going to find out exactly. That was her last line, indeed. I'm going to find out exactly what still needs to be done for these people to have clean water. Where are those articles? There's none. Yeah, the fact that those journalists were more annoyed when they left the room that the White House press secretary who lies for a living had been insulted than they were about the fact that Flint, Michigan uh, still doesn't have clean water, as Michelle Wolf reminded them, I think speaks volumes about the era we I think in. that that is... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The most important uh, thing to take from the correspondence dinner. You know, people are upset about the truth that she's speaking. You know, in that room, she's saying to journalists, you're not being tough enough. You're afraid to use words like liar. You're afraid to say these are crimes. If you watch the news, it's always funny how they don't want to say Donald Trump is a liar. They always find different words to use to describe him not telling the truth. Trump twisted some facts on illegal immigration. Trump sort of takes the truth and then bends it and warps it. Trump uh, often stretches, bends, breaks, totally disregards what is fact. What they should say on the news every night is, it's insane that the president can't stop <laughs> lying. And it's terrifying. And how are our allies going to believe anything that he says? How are we going to line up support for things that are very important in the world if the president is a proven compulsive liar. Comedians are there to say the things that uh, other people dance around. And that's why you hire Michelle Wolf. She did exactly what she does. So you can't be shocked that she did that. It's funny that you talk about comedians being able to say the unsayable or what shouldn't be unsayable but has become unsayable. Masha Gessen, uh, who writes for The New Yorker, one of Vladimir Putin's biggest critics, uh, she wrote a piece this week pointing out that more and more Americans now want to go watch the late night comics to get their news precisely for the reason you elaborate on, which is... If 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 your evening news headlines, if your uh, New York Times reporters, etc., cannot just say, you know what, Trump is a liar um, or Trump is a racist, you often hear, Judd, you often hear this phrase, racially tinged. Yes. I often hear yes. is used in the rather than just say he's a racist. Um, so if you can't get that from your mainstream news sources that you've trusted all your life, then you're going to go to comedians late at night because at least they're willing to say what others won't. Well, look what's happened with James Shaw. You have this hero who saved many people's lives, who put his life at risk. At the Waffle at House. At the Waffle House. I believe Donald Trump still hasn't acknowledged him. Is that true at this point? He he, he never acknowledged As him. As far as I'm aware, he hasn't. Definitely not on Twitter, his main source of communication to the and world. And in the meantime, he's acknowledged uh, Michelle Wolf and Kanye West and and jokes. So how are we to interpret that? Are, are are we supposed to just think he's busy? He never heard about it. No, it's a signal <laughs> to the racists in this country. I've got your back. I care about you. I don't care about these other people. Comedians are allowed to mm. say that. But here's my question. In this current age, then, do you think it's something journalists should be able to say? Because some journalists have said it. There have been moments where the New York Times has used the L word in reference to Donald Trump. CNN has used it on occasion. Not enough, in my view. But, you know, journalists are slowly trying to feel their way into this new climate. They don't like being the opposition. They don't like having to say these kind of rude or or stern things to the president who, you know, they stand up for when he comes in. I'm from England, Judd. In the UK, the press, for all its 
flaws, and I'm no fan of the British press. But for all its flaws, it's not deferential. You can't call it overly polite. You know, it, it enjoys going after big political figures and taking them down. Um, and what's interesting, I find in the US is you have a White House press corps in the East Room of the White House when the president enters. They stand, maybe not out of respect for the president, but out of respect for the office. They think we don't want to be the opposition. And yet, if you listen to Steve Bannon, he said quite openly earlier this year, the Democrats are not the opposition, the media is, and the way we're going to deal with them is to flood the zone with shit. I think that it's worked perfectly because, you know, you, there's that Amy uh, Siskin book, uh, The List, I believe it's called. Uh, yes, trying to keep track of... Yes, yeah, so she lists every insane thing that's happened. And that's the, the book could be called Flooding the Zone. And people move on quickly. They forget that Donald Trump talked about how, you know, if there was a school shooting, he'd be the first to run inside. And they forget that he won't acknowledge yeah. James Shaw. And they forget that he thinks there's good people on both sides in in the in the uh, confrontations with Nazis. Like, they forget so quickly. And there's some who say, Judd, it doesn't matter if Trump is a bully or crude or Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a liar. That may be true, but we, we should hold ourselves to higher standards. You've dished out some pretty harsh stuff at Trump uh, and his folks. Uh, you've called the president a fucking moron, a racist shithole, a Russian puppet, a sociopath, mentally ill. What about the whole Michelle Obama, when they go low, we I, go I, high I like thing? That, Do you think that's not appropriate for the current I era? like that she does it. But I don't think that needs to be everybody's <laughs> choice. I, I I think as the first lady, that that's the choice that that she made. But there certainly is an argument that in the future, if if things get really bad, we will wish that a lot of these very kind, sensitive people took a different tact. And we we don't know yet. We don't know yet. But I personally feel like, aren't we supposed to scream? This is not normal. I think it's a it is essential that we do that. Donald Trump had a charity, the Trump Foundation, that was shut down because he was stealing money from his own charity. Now, this is someone who makes decisions about our lives, uh, and that concerns me. Hmm. I only discovered recently, Judd, that you wrote some of Barack Obama's gags about Donald Trump at the 2011 White House Correspondents' Dinner, the last time Trump actually had the guts to turn up to that dinner. He wasn't, of course, president at the time. He wasn't running for president. He was roasted by Obama. A lot of us remember that. Just recently, in an episode of Celebrity Apprentice, at the Steakhouse, the men's cooking team did not impress the judges from Omaha Steaks. And there was a lot of blame to go around, but you, Mr. Trump, recognized that the real problem was a lack of leadership. And so ultimately, you didn't blame Little John or Meatloaf. You fired Gary Busey. And these are the kind of decisions that would keep me up at night. You co-wrote some of those gags, and it's since been revealed that that's the night a humiliated Trump decided he wanted to run for president. He was so bitter and annoyed. He was like, I'm going to show you. So are you, in a way, indirectly responsible for Donald Trump being president? Well, that must be a painful realization. I used to joke about that, but the truth is, you know, I've watched a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books about this. You know, this is a guy who talked about running for president since the late 80s. And certainly that night, I felt like because he was the man behind birtherism, it was warranted to call him out. And there are people who also think that Donald Trump ran for president 
assuming he wouldn't win, but it would make yep. him more famous. It would allow him to meet the people who represent a lot of countries and and do a lot of uh, business around the world, and that he was as shocked as anybody when it started uh, going his way. Yeah, I, I'm of that school of thought. I, I don't think he thought he would win when he when he set out to run. What about this argument, Judd, that the that if you ha- you hear it from Republicans and conser- conservatives all the time that celebrities like yourself, like others, should keep your mouths shut on political issues. You should stay out of politics. I I, I think it's 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 a funny statement for anyone to make. The president, if anything, is just a celebrity, uh, and, <laughs> and a very shallow type of celebrity. It's it is like Chuck Woolery being the president. I I think that's just a smokescreen type of yeah. issue. It doesn't mean anything. When you're making movies now in this very polarized age of ours, this politically divided, racially divided America, and of course, you did make The Big Sick, which was very much about polarization and the immigrant experience. Do you now try and tailor your movies to a broader audience? Are you trying to make stuff which has broad appeal to people regardless of their politics? Or are you like, screw it, I'm making what I'm making? I think what's funny is sometimes people think that I'm conservative. Uh, in in the way I tell stories, because generally I like to tell stories about people with problems who are trying to figure out how to do better, how to be happy, how not to be an asshole. I like coming of age stories. I like stories where people find some wisdom. A lot of times people say, oh, Judd must be uh, against abortion because Katherine Heigl didn't have an abortion and knocked up. Tell me you don't want him to get an A word. Yes, I do. And I won't say it for a little baby ears over there, but it rhymes with shmushmortion. I'm just saying, hold on, Jay, cover your ears. You should get a schmushmorshman at the schmushmorshman clinic. And I and I would always say, well, yeah, if she had an abortion, the movie would be over in 11 minutes. Just because that couple <laughs> didn't decide to have an abortion doesn't mean I don't believe in a woman's right to choose. A right to choose means sometimes you feel like it's it's appropriate and sometimes you think it isn't. Uh, and, and, and yeah. because I like when couples try to find a way to make it work people sometimes say well judd's all about family values well who isn't for family values that doesn't mean you you have a panic attack and run out of the room when someone makes a dirty joke that just means you want people Mm -hmm. to be nice to each other at least the way i think about it for me i don't consider my work very political but one might say that you know you know Making a movie like The Big Sick about uh, someone who is an immigrant from Pakistan and how he navigates our culture and his life is in itself a political act. But it wasn't what we were thinking about when we started. We just thought this is a great story. It's it's it talks about issues most people don't usually talk about. It's certainly the most underserved community in terms of filmmaking you don't see uh, these Mm. people represented and i was excited about that because i like to make films about things that you don't see every day i don't want to be generic i don't want to make the 17th movie on a topic it's funny you you funny you mentioned the the big sick there because the the line the funniest line in that movie for me as a, as a Muslim watching it and as a Muslim immigrant in the United States um, was the line with the exchange he has with Ray Romano with the with the fa- future father in law who says you know what's your view of nine eleven what's my stance on nine eleven anti it was a tragedy I mean we lost nineteen of our best guys huh that was a joke obviously. 9-11 was a terrible tragedy. 
the reason why that's a funny joke is because it ha- it has a character expressing their frustration that everywhere they go, people think they're a terrorist or they're a terrorist sympathizer. Mm. So even though he says it in a funny way and he gets nervous and apologizes, what he's really saying is, don't be an idiot. You know, this is yeah. this is uh, this is wrong for you to equate me with that type of ideology and philosophy. It's a passive aggressive joke that is saying it hurts my feelings that you believe that that any of that. Yeah. And just before we finish, how worried are you about 2020 that Trump could win a second term? Partly because the media are just not up to the challenge of holding him to account, partly because so many people are willing to buy into his lies and bigotry and bullshit. Right after he got elected, somebody said to me, the the thing to fear the most is that it is possible to make some some changes and turbocharge the economy so that we don't have to pay the piper till after he's reelected. So he can create the illusion that the economy is going great and mm. there's no problem, create massive deficits, and it won't mess up the economy till right after he's reelected. So that that is a, a concern of mine. But I think that he made a mistake. He's been very disrespectful to the youth of America. He's shown no concern for their safety. 18 to 24-year-olds only vote about 17% of the time. And if you could raise that number a bit, uh, everything can change in Congress, in the Senate, uh, locally, everywhere. And I think he's accidentally uh, woken up kids to the fact that they have an enormous amount of power and that the current administration doesn't care about them. And I think that they're going to come out in massive numbers and uh, it's going to help slow down this train. Let's hope you're right. Judd Apatow, thanks for joining me on Deconstructed. It was great to be here. Thank you. That was Judd Apatow. And if you haven't seen his HBO documentary, The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, make sure you do. You can also take his online video course, Judd Apatow Teaches Comedy, at masterclass.com. That's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media in The Intercept and is distributed by Panoply. Our producer is Zach Young. Dina Sayed Ahmed is our production assistant. Lital Molard is our executive producer. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. I'm Mehdi Hassan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mehdi R. Hassan. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you can hear it every Friday. Go to theintercept.com forward slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice iPhone, Android, whatever. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you next week. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.